So, we are back again, second week. The A League. Y'all like that music? That was kind of nice, right? You Coming from the motherland. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, everybody, this is the A League, man. Second week, episode two. Um, really excited. Got another good show ahead of us here. So, uh, let's go around the room. Just introduce, just real quick, our names, Twitter accounts, Facebook account, LinkedIn. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Who does LinkedIn? Anyway. Uh, Eric Yabo here. Um, a E Yabo at five. That's my Twitter at um, Facebook is just full name, Eric Yabo. Next. Akeem Balaam. That's my name also on, on Twitter as well as on Instagram and on Facebook at Balaam Samuel Bobby Akeem. Uh, David Norwood the second. Uh, Twitter is the second. D Norwood 90 and Facebook David Norwood the second. Uh, my name is Rashad Milligan, uh, Jeff3006 on Twitter. It's a long story. And uh, RashadMilligan.com. I just created that this week. Uh, Jeremy Johnson. Uh, Twitter is uh, Clark Kent. There we go. Hit him up. Hit him up. Hit him up. All right, so let's get it started here. First one. Um, we all week we were discuss we were talking about what what we wanted to hit on and I think the first first topic here is going to be athlete activism. Uh, the f- past couple of weeks has been since the ESPYS awards and Chris Paul, Carmelo, and all of them. It really brought the discussion to the to the front. So I kind of just go around and everybody just kind of give me your ideas on, on what you've always thought about athlete activism and maybe your your I mean even growing up what did you always expect out of the athletes you look you know you looked up to and things like that so anybody want to start off well as far as athlete activism i've always felt that it's important for athletes to be active in their communities it's one of those things where sometimes we look at athletes and they can be so i mean sometimes it can be something to where athletes we have this perception that sometimes they don't necessarily care that all they care about is the money and the endorsements and then we see things like what Carmelo Anthony has been doing where he's been imploring you know players his his fellow players from the NBA WNBA and other sports to be more active in the community especially now since so much has been going on with um, you know so much has been going on with athlete activism and Black Lives Matter and everything so it's really important because it shows that they have, you know, that they have a voice. It shows that they're using their voice. And I also feel as if athletes, they have power because they have a lot of influence. I mean, we saw, um, you know, we saw what happened, I believe it was last year or, you know, with the with the protest that happened at the University of Missouri, where, you know, a, a university president was forced out because protests from the football team. So they have a voice and they I feel like they should definitely use it for the better. Well, we're in the days and time where athletes have more influence than local government amongst uh, younger people. And, you know, these days and times, you know, these athletes need to use it. And, you know, you got players like LeBron James and Steph Curry, like kids will listen to them. They won't listen to your councilman or your (laughs) policeman. So, you know, these athletes need to take advantage of their platform and hopefully with this activism, you know, more catches on and, you know, it can uh, spread all over and, you know, make the world a better place. Yeah, man, definitely. uh, Excuse me. Going back to Charles Barkley, I'm not a role model back in the 90s. Like, I mean, you kind of put on the platform and everything. You kind of are a role model. You're placed in that position. I, you know, kind of learned that 
the older I get and stuff and the more I understand stuff. Um, I mean, you get paid millions of dollars, you know what I'm saying? Anytime you're a celebrity or you have this platform, you have a platform for a reason. It's, and it's bigger than just yourself. It's bigger than the fact that you can dunk a basketball or you have talent or something like that, you know? I think all celebrities should, should use their voice to stand up for what they believe in something bigger than, you know, just their own brand. Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, what all you guys said. Um, looking back at guys like Muhammad Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, that's what made those guys so great. Um, I'm really happy to start seeing some of these guys that are big time now starting to lead that, take that as an example and kind of follow that. Um, I would have been very disappointed had a lot of those guys not said anything like yeah, they said yeah. last week. Yeah. So, um that was really good, and I really applaud their um, efforts so far. Yeah, yeah. They, um, I mean, just recently I was reading a, it was a book just about the relationship between Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali, like you were, like he alluded to. But those two, the the biggest thing that Malcolm wanted to get through to Muhammad was that he could do bigger things than even Malcolm could, just because of his platform as an athlete. Because we kind of look at them as superhero like. So we see them like they can be, they can do anything. Uh, they can affect every every type of um, part of life, and, and and in that regard, I think um, the athletes today. I am proud to say that I'm part of this generation that they're trying to really make a change here. Like, you know, everybody has that part of their decade or or so. It's been where you focus on the civil rights of it, and you can't avoid what's you know what's going on. I mean, it's, you can be in an athlete bubble and think that it doesn't affect you. But a lot of these guys know where they came from. That's another part of it. Um, never forget where you came from. Never forget where, what you also went through and what the people who are still living there are going through. So I'm proud of the athletes in that regard. Uh, and it even goes into what the WNBA is doing. Um, we got to shed some light on them because I feel like they haven't got as, as much support as they should have. Um, but uh, okay. Before we move on to the WNBA, I just want to say, like, even if, like, you know, you made it out of wherever you came from, like, it doesn't matter. Like, if the cops, you know, I don't want to just jump right into it. Mm-hmm. But if the cops don't recognize you, if they don't watch basketball, topple Cephalosha, then, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not sure. you're not blocked from anything. None of us are blocked from We all look the same to people that, they, you know, look at us in a prejudiced way. I have to be careful with my words. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 most definitely, man. It's... Um, now, I mean, more so than ever, it's they have social media they could use to, to touch people's lives and, and everything like that. And even if it's not publicly, um, I think a lot of us expect them just to to talk about it, you know, constantly. And, and some of them might feel you know, uncomfortable in that regard. Mm-hmm. But if they're helping out in other ways, maybe silently, then that's OK. You know, like that's like the whole thing we get on celebrities about. It's like, oh, man, you know, people get on what Jay-Z or Beyonce or whatever about maybe they're not helping out as much. But it's like. Quietly, they've been helping out a lot of communities. Quietly, they were there for Freddie Gray's family and and different other families that's been that's been hurt by the recent um, uh, shootings. But you know, they just keep it you know low key and they don't talk too much about it. But as long as athletes are being active in their communities, I think it's it's really important. Um, even with LeBron and and I think it was the Cavaliers who wore the Camp Breathe shirts a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's what I was. Year. Yeah, last year. Okay, um, I think that's what the WNBA what's going on with that right now. That's what brings me to that is what did you guys think about the support they're getting WNBA players right now? 
think it's like the Indiana Fever. Um, who else? I forgot the list, but it's I think about four teams that were fined uh, $5,000, and each player was fined $500. Mm. It's interesting because everything leading up to the announcement of the fines, there really wasn't anything that was in, that was indicating that they were going to be fined or they were going to be reprimanded in some way. Now, I saw something that said that perhaps the main reason as to why they were fined had something to do with the fact that maybe it had something to do with uniform policy. But either way, one way or another, it's not a good look for the WNBA because it really makes it look like it really looks like a business decision in many ways on, on the part of the WNBA. And this is a league that in so many ways has really tried to brand itself as more of an inclusive league. I mean, you saw the WNBA at the New York City um, Gay Pride Parade. So this has really been a league that has really tried to be, you know, very inclusive and very outright in the community. And this is not something that they need, especially going into what they're calling the Olympic break, because they're going into the upcoming Olympic break where there aren't going to be any games going on. Everybody's going to be overseas in Rio. And this is this is not a good look. This is not a good PR look for the league. Yeah, I agree with you, Akeem. I, I I feel like this, the WNBA took a kind of a step back as far as having a chance to make a stand and then punishing a team, punishing teams for trying to make a stand. So this was their opportunity to kind of step out and say, hey, we agree with what our players are saying. And instead, they it looks like they punished them for it. So. Yep. I was really disappointed in their decisions that they made as far as how they're handling it. And not, let's not forget, Adam Silver gets the last call, even with the WNBA, what's going on there. So even the president of WNBA, she can, you know, have her opinion or, you know, have her opinions on what should happen to the players. But Adam Silver got the last got the last call on that. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut off anybody. They're about to go. Uh, well, just thinking back a couple years back with the I Can't Breathe in the NBA, Adam Silver did um, warn the players. He was like, yo, that's cool that you guys are doing this, but you guys have uniform policy. You guys got to wear your warm-ups. Mm-hmm. And uh, he warned them about the fines, so they stopped wearing the I Can't Breathe shirts. So fast forward to now with the WNBA, I mean, it's a tricky situation because, you know, you do have to wear, you know, the Adidas or the this, the that. But, you know, I mean, the issues going on right now are way bigger than a commercial, way more big than ad revenue or whatever. Mm-hmm. The, we're talking about lives here, yeah. people's families, cousins, brothers, sisters, whatever the case may be. Because most of the league, like, you know, Tanisha said uh, on the Liberty is like black, you know, so yeah. most of their lives are affected by it. Um, for the WNBA to do that, I mean, it's. There, you know, it's a thin line because it's like, should we follow the rules or should we make this a session for this, you know, big movement? And either way, I think they got the league more attention by saying, you know, hey, we're going to find you guys. Because it was kind of a little story when yeah. Maya Moore and them wore the shirts. But once the WNBA find them, we're talking about the WNBA more than ever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, that might sound controversial, but it's just real. Like, you know. the, the fact that – and I think it actually even – it holds more weight that the players are willing to take the fines and the punishment. And it kind of, in a weird way, it brings it even more to the front that, okay, these, these women are willing to, to take the money, uh, take the fines and, and to take the punishment in order to get this message across. So I think in that regard, it probably would, you know, it would definitely become a little bit more of a story than it is. Cause right now I don't feel like it's getting the track. It should, um, and then even compared to, I saw a lot of people talking about why 
wasn't this happening when the Orlando shooting occurred. They were in support of the um, LGBT community. But now with this going on, they felt they kind of fell back. They didn't want to talk too much about it. Um, and even on their shirts, if you look at it, they included the Dallas Five. Um, so it wasn't just based on uh, Black Lives Matter movement, but they also felt that it was important to to highlight the Blue Lives Matter movement as well. Um, but yeah, so that goes into. I mean, I'm happy we had that discussion. So that kind of goes into the police shooting. So I know we we were. Uh, f- this has to be talked about. I mean, five of us here um, were pretty much affected in every way of what's been going on. Um, mm-hmm. I guess let's see. Like maybe the first couple last couple of weeks what was your first reaction um what you guys when you guys were watching tv or watching through twitter what did you guys feel like man that it was crazy that first shoot in uh alton alton sterling yep. because uh that weekend that previous weekend we had a you know a run-in with the cops for like no reason like we were at uh we were at raw fest and then we came back home uh we carpooled and we were just sitting outside a dude's house, you know, talking about to get into our own cars. Mm-hmm. And the cop was just behind us for, like, 10 minutes. And then, like, he just pulled up and then reversed and then pulled up again and then, like, came behind us and then got out the car and made us roll down the window, talk to him and everything. We got took out the car. They searched the car and everything. And it, it was just a bad experience, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, like, it was funny. I mean, ironic, I guess. That, that that happened the same week of all of this, like, and then the the um, Philandro Castro, uh, I forgot his name. Oh, Castillo, 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 Castillo. Excuse yeah, yeah. me, rest mm-hmm. in peace. But uh, like when that happened, I was like, again, like the same week, and mm-hmm. it was just oh, it was horrible. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my first reaction. I was just like angry because it's like, what can we do? We can't do anything, man. Literally, we can't do anything. The only thing we can do is pray, like. Marches is proven not to work. Writing letters, proven not to work. I mean, I marched. Let me just get that out the yeah. way. I marched just because I had to do something in the meantime. I couldn't just sit back and do nothing. I was way too emotional about the subject. But, yeah, like, it's, we just felt – I just felt hopeless yeah. for, like, yeah. a week or two in, like, my country. And that's just a sad thing, man, sad situation. I think overall, I think – after what happened in Louisiana and after what happened in Minnesota and after what happened in Dallas, I think I think that looking at it at a grand scale, I really feel as if overall the country needs to do a lot of soul searching. I really feel like on both sides on both sides of the aisle, whether you're, you know, a supporter of Black Lives Matter or whether you're a you know, whether you are, you know, a supporter of the Blue Lives Matter movement, I feel like it's I feel like it's one of those things where Overall, when you see events like this happen, and when you see events like this happen in succession, I feel like, I feel like it's it's one of those issues where I feel like overall there has to be a lot of soul searching because it's all about what are we really as a people overall. I mean, whether you're you're black, white, or anything like that, eventually, you know, you know, we we you know, people support who they want to support, but overall, it's all about whether you're black, white, Hispanic, whoever. We're all part of the human race, and I feel like. Overall, that's the soul searching that we need to that we need to do. Like, what has happened overall to us to the point where we feel like, you know, we just, you know, we sort of sometimes forget that eventually we're all just part of the human race. I mean, and especially, you know, with everything that's going on. I mean, 
it's I, I just when I think about everything, you know, of course, you know, of course, you know, of course, we want to, you know, try and see both sides. But I just feel like ultimately I just want to see everybody just come together, just yeah. recognize, yeah. you know, just recognize they're all part of the human race. Yeah. they I, I, And I think you said it's we're all got to realize our worth. Um, and I, and I'm, that's why I feel like I, I got upset with how it was misconstrued with the Black Lives Matter purpose of it you know like they quickly try to turn us into a terroristic group so i forgot one lady trying to compare it to the new kkk and she said it exactly after the dallas five shooting she tweeted it i forgot her name but she got like crazy amount of <laughs> tension for that and um and I, I just think like that's not the purpose it's, it was the whole it was to highlight that we too matter it doesn't exclude us that we're the only ones that matter. And I think they attached that label to it um, very quickly. I mean, my first when I first saw it, the shootings, it was like it was just horrifying. Um, both of them were uncalled for. They weren't handled correctly. Um, and there were other cops who came out and said it wasn't handled correctly. So it makes you even more upset that you got two grown black men who have children, who have girlfriends, wives who are now gone. And, and, and even... The, the second one that happened in Minnesota, um, for him to be shot in the car with his child in the back seat, just like, I mean, you, it tears you up because it's, they really don't care um, that she that have a child in the back seat who watched his, her father die right before her. Um, that really, like, just hit me uh, that, yeah, this has to be, this has to be talked about more. This has to, we really have to make this stand now. Um to make police shootings an, an obvious an issue that that needs to be that needs to be handled. Um, even even so, going forward, you've heard from different cops. There's a guy Eric Adams who used to be a cop for like 20 or 40 years, 20 to 30 years. I'm sorry, in New York, and talked about that. Uh, he actually was a cop, and in the next minute on protest, he would remove his uniform and he would join the protest. So he was on both sides of it. And he was talking. He knows the culture that goes on between all police communities, and that's what I think the biggest highlight here. It's not just about individual cops; it's really about the culture, systematic culture of police. You know, like a lot of them are just told not to say much about what goes on. They're they're afraid to speak out because you really might be put on the back burner. You might not ever get that promotion, and you'll be harassed within your own ranks. <clears throat> so it's even within they tell us, you know, make sure you snitch or I guess, you know, within their community, within our communities, they the police tell us that, you know, it's okay to snitch, blah, blah, blah. But within their own communities, they're not even telling on each other. <laughs> so the, the snitching, it, it needs to go, I guess, go both ways there. But yeah, that's, that was some of my ideas when I first, um, when I first saw, uh, the shootings and, and like you were saying, uh, Rashad was saying, you just kind of feel hopeless there. I'm sure all of our parents were, telling us to be careful. I remember my mom was, when I left the house, she was like, call me when you get home. And my mom never does that. So I was like, she was like, make sure you call me when you get home. And, you know, I made sure I did. And she sounded, I could hear in her voice that she sounded like she was just a little worried um, for my well-being because you can be calm. You can try to de-escalate the whole situation, but it doesn't matter. Um, we saw the guy that got shot the other day who had his hands up and he was trying to uh, defend an autistic 
patient, I think it was, or yeah, okay, yeah. So and he got shot in the leg, and the officer told him. He asked the officer, "Why did you shoot me?" The officer said, "I don't know." So <laughs> and I and I feel like that officer is saying what a lot of these officers have thought when they when they were in these situations that they don't even know why they did it, but subconsciously it's a it's a deeper issue that that they have to handle. So. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, really sad. You know, now we have to add, you know, getting your driver's license can get you killed yeah. to the list. So, and it's a shame because, you know, the simple things that you should be able to do, you know, causes you to lose your life. And, you know, myself, you know, my mom, she gave me a call, you know, telling me, like, you know, what to do if I get pulled over. You know, now I got to put my driver's license on the dashboard. <laughs> Can't yeah, keep it yeah. in my pocket. <laughs> no, nah, that's crazy. Um, when I first heard about it, I was, you know, coming off a of vacation. And immediately I was, all I could say was not again. Uh, it's sad that I have to think after coming off a of vacation, whether well, if this happens again, um, so yeah. what are we going to do about it? Yeah. I mean, nothing ever changes. Seems like we march and march and we talk and but nothing changes so i'm almost at the point where what well we have to take steps together instead of trying to do it as one group once you once you draw a line and decide to take a side that's when you basically are saying well we're in we're having a battle when it really shouldn't be a battle it should be common sense that some of these things are very wrong like you're for just because you have a badge and uniform on, that doesn't give you the right to decide when you can kill someone. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know. I was just really saddened by that. And yeah, yeah. I've never personally had this kind of issue happen to me. But immediately after all, the last few years, after these situations have come up over and over and over again, now I feel afraid for my life. And I've always been taught that. Growing up, that if you if you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to fear. Exactly. But yeah. now, <laughs> simply just speeding could kill me. Yeah. I mean, not as far as having a car accident, but getting pulled over and reaching like like David said from for my wallet. Yeah. yeah. They can that can be the end of my life, and that shouldn't be the case. So, I mean, I definitely walk with a little more caution and I would normally and it's really sad that I have to do that in a country I was born in and raised in so yeah and I don't condone the violence the violence has to stop like mm -hmm. all this the retaliation that accomplished nothing but getting two more black men killed yeah basically and killing police officers who necessarily may not have been involved in that kind of culture and but but yeah. like Eric was saying the culture definitely has to change yeah. so I don't agree with the killings and stuff but yeah, definitely yeah. saddened by it. F12, it has to stop, man. F12, F the police, F the cops. Yeah, no. Those chants are going to do nothing but just anger the cops even more <laughs> and just make them think like, oh, all black people hate me. So when I pull over this black person, they probably hate me from the jump. So I'm going to be more cautious to keep this hand on this gun before they shoot me. And... We, we just got to stop it, man. Yeah, hate, yeah, like, hate isn't going to solve hate. You heard it. You were at the protest. Yeah. And you heard that, too. I heard yeah. that as well. And it was uh, a lot of people try to drown it out and, and probably talk over it because that's not the purpose of all of it. You know, it's like we don't we don't want to keep that. That's been going on for so long that we it's going to accomplish absolutely nothing to to have that anger. A lot of people were talking with anger at the protest. 
that I saw, you know, witnessing some people. But it's like overall, Atlanta protest was very peaceful. But you just you're gonna have that select group that's just gonna be completely angered, um, which is expected. But that's not you can't be like you were saying you can't be divided on this issue here. Like this is there's no <clears throat> place for because there's only you you have to come together. There's only one shot you really have, um, and that's together. So um, I think what they're doing now with with Kasim Reed, we were talking about that and having discussions with him because I, I feel what you're saying with uh, what a protest actually do. Like, if you know, it's, you, you feel like it's been done thousands of times. My opinion on it was just, it's always the first step because it's that physical presence. You want to show you're in numbers, you know. Um, obviously, above that, you got to get into laws. You got to make demands. You got to stay on top of your, your, your local government. So, I, I get what you're saying with now these days, what does protesting actually do? But I think it's still kind of needed a little bit. Um, Justin, for you want to show how, how strong you are in numbers. You want to show how important this is to you. Uh, and out there, we saw people from all walks of life that were supporting what was going on. Everybody felt this. Um, I went to even a, a schoolboy Q concert last week at the Masquerade, and after we were done, there was a uh, – there was a Hispanic kid who told me like Black Lives Matter and it threw me off and I still was like what because I didn't understand what he was saying I was like Yo. my ears were like still popping you know so I was like wait what are you saying and he moved closer he told me and dapped him up man hugged it out and I was like you see like you can see the effect the ripple effect it has on all communities so this is a lot bigger than I think the perception is it's just black people only care about this I think a lot of people care about what's going on to black individuals sorry in fact, they, they really do. I remember um, I remember following the news this past week, and one of the big stories was, you know, involving the, the rock band Third Eye Blind at the, um, that they were performing in Cleveland. And a lot of people were thinking, okay, this must have something to do with the, with the Republican convention, which was in Cleveland. But then they put out a statement, you know, saying that they don't really agree with their, pla- with their platform. And in their statement, it included Black Lives Matter. So this is really something that is across the board embraced about it and and i think with with that going forward it's going to help out spread the message you know that much more um comparing i hate getting into it because i've had a discussion with other friends and it 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 angers me when people say why do you guys care just about police shootings and you guys don't care about black on black crime and it's i'm sure i want to hear everybody's thoughts on that um i just think it's you can care about both you don't need to not one, no, none, e- not either one of those, are, it doesn't outweigh the other. Um, and I think that's what is always brought and thrown in our face that we don't care. You don't, I mean, you can't sit here and generalize everybody and say that all black individuals don't care about black on black crime. Um, and black on black crime is such a phrase that's, that's overused and, and just my opinion, it irritates me because there's, we don't talk about white on white crime, Hispanic on Hispanic crime, whatever, you can, Asian on Asian crime. But white on white crime is almost a little bit above eighty percent. I mean, geographically, you're going to you're going to kill who's who's most who's most closest to you. You're going to kill who's you know lives in your neighborhoods, blah blah blah, you know, surrounding neighborhoods. So it's like that to me is it's it's an, you know, it's not a, a good valid point on what's going on. But um, yeah, what do you guys think about that as far as the attention for black on black crime or? black you know who kill black individuals and and compare it to other races or or anything like that well i think in terms of in terms of black on black crime 
I do. It, it certainly, it certainly is a problem. Absolutely, it is a problem. You know, like like um, what Rashad was saying, the killing, the killing has to stop. The violence has to stop. It has to yeah. end. Yeah. But you know, I just feel as if, like you said, like you said, Eric, there is really a generalization that black people don't care about black on black crime. I mean, I see, I see stories all the time about, um, you know, about the the efforts that are trying to be made um, in so many inner cities, you know, whether it be, you know, Chicago or whether it be any place, you know, where there's a huge epidemic of, of violence and, you know, black leaders in so many of these cities, they try and, you know, they try and do community outreach to try and, you know, let people know that this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't really the way to go. So for people to generalize and say that the black community doesn't care about black on black crime or black issues, it's, it really is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's really is a misnomer. It really is misleading yeah yeah Yeah, I definitely feel very strongly on black on black crime I've always been the type to tell people I've never been arrested I've never been thought about hurting somebody and for people to say well in general generalize that you know we don't care actually yeah we we care a lot it's just it's I don't know the it's Irresponsible to say, yeah, to say that about right. and people that, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, so I mean, that still doesn't give the police a right exactly to kill exactly anybody. Exactly. For, for first of all, because they're the people who are supposed to be protecting mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. but yeah, we have to worry about you know being robbed on top of being killed by the police who are supposed <laughs> to be catching the robbers. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as the the argument of Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. I mean, we of course we all know all lives matter. Of course they do, but also the lives of the oppressed matter too. Yeah, it's yeah. not that black lives matter than other lives, but other lives aren't being oppressed right now. So yeah. we're talking about the ones who are being shot by police for no reason, unarmed, years. for years, years and years. So yeah. I mean, that's it's like you were saying, Eric. It's irresponsible to even say stuff like that. No, definitely. They, I mean, they. It, it's just always funny to me whenever, as as black people, that we try to draw attention to what we're going through, then they quickly try to throw something in our face to either distract or push us to the side. Um, and it's just like, what is the issue there? Why can't we have, you know, a struggle? Why do you guys think we don't deserve a struggle? That's what I hear. From when I hear them talking and, and I hear them condemning us on, on this and that, then I'm like, why do you guys feel that we don't have a struggle anymore, that there's no issues going on in our communities. Um, and and in that regard, it's just, it's, it's very insulting. It's, it's just, you have people who are going through this every day that you might not see. Thank God for cameras now um, that things are being captured because God knows all the thing, all the situations that's happened, all the deaths that have occurred that we have, we would never <clears throat> see and, we'll, you know, we'll never know of. Um, that I don't know. David, you want to say? Yeah, I think it's real sad, you know, you know, efforts, you know, don't get credit. They don't make news headlines, unfortunately. And, you know, people are trying, not just black people, you know, churches uh, of different you know, backgrounds, denominations and, you know, family members, you know, it's, you know, you always know somebody that's involved or, you know, a, the neighborhood that is happening in. And, you know, you just can't understate, you know, people's efforts. And it's just, it's really sad. You know, it's a problem. You know, we can't act like it's not a big problem. But, you know, 
they definitely need to, you know, give more credit to the efforts and realize this is not going to be an overnight process. This is going to take time. And, you know, just like anything with, uh, you know, police cops, you know, shooting black people, you know, it's going to take time. And, yeah. but, you know, we're not, you can't say that, you know, people aren't trying to stop black on black crime. You have, uh, I have a question. Yeah, um, go ahead. Does anybody kind of feel that, you know, like you were saying here, people argue with us that, you know, we don't care about our own people and we black on black crime is so, you know, big in our community. Do you think that perception kind of gives them an excuse for them to think that it's okay <laughs> if we don't value ourselves? Yeah. Why should we value yeah. them? Do you think that kind of has a, a play in it? I think that's an excellent question. I think they do. when you hear the the kind of um, you got Mayor Giuliani with his antics, God, I can't stand that dude. But with his type of his tone that he spoke with, that well, first of all, he always speaks with on Fox News, and even um, at the convention is you you get that sense exactly what you said is that if we don't care about each other, then it doesn't really matter what we're doing. It's only a small percentage of of deaths that are occurring with, with uh, police killing blacks, it doesn't matter. If we're a small a small percentage of people in this country, then our deaths are even. It should be even more apparent. It should be more of a big deal because we make up only thirteen percent of the of the population. So that, that's a great question, though. But I think yeah, that that does definitely play a role in it. Yeah. Uh yeah, that that's a good question because that that's kind of what it is when people are like, "What about black on black crime?" But people, black people care about black on black crime. Just think about like when Bankroll Fresh died a couple months ago. Everybody was like, "Oh snap, that violence got to stop. We got to stop killing each other. We got to stop. You know, we one love. You know, what I'm saying like every time someone dies, if you know someone who got shot." who got killed by another black person. Everybody like, we gotta chill, man. It ain't that serious, bro. Yeah, yeah. This, that, people care, like, so that argument, first of all, is invalid just there. And then, um, you know, yeah, I forgot what else. I was uh, no, <laughs> no, he was, no, he was asking about, uh, you think it plays a role in, in the minds of, of uh, others when they think that since we don't care about each other because we so, okay, "Quote unquote, we kill each other more than anybody." I think yeah. I think that's just a, a sorry excuse to yeah. to be racist and prejudiced. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. That's that's why I was I just wanted to see what you guys thought. No, yeah, because I I kind of, I definitely feel like that's a sorry excuse, like you were saying, to just kind of when when we have a problem, that's why people throw it back in our it, face because it's like yeah, they try to diminish it. Yeah, I got it now. Black people can't have nothing, man. Black people can't have nothing, bro. We can't have the whip and nene. We can't have nuck if you fuck. We can't have trap music. We can't have nothing. Bro. We can't have rock and roll. Everything that black people do, man, other people take it. And it's been like that from the beginning of time, ever since they took us from Africa back over here to America, man. It's always been like that. Black people can't get nothing. Every time a black person tries to do something positive, a, a white person wants to come and tear it down. And it's not black against white because white people have helped us progress. Like, as Akeem was saying earlier, like, cops and white people have helped us for years. Without white people and without cops, we wouldn't be out of slavery. We wouldn't be able to vote. We wouldn't be able to do this. No, you got to give credit to those who helped. Yeah. So, so I give credit, but like, for the most part, black people can't get nothing, bro. And like, I'm just tired of it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And they wonder why people get so upset in, in the. The anger that you saw at uh, these demonstrations that a lot of people are really emotional about this stuff because they feel like it's been going on for decades. I mean, this history with 
police and whatnot is man, this is historical. Like people left the South going to I know we all saw I don't know if everybody saw the OJ uh thirty for thirty, but people left the South to go out west because they thought it'd be treated better and it got worse. Like, you know, it's like you can't you can't run from it. Like no matter what you you run you know, wherever you go in this country, you can't avoid it. So yeah, people are emotional about this for a reason. But let, yeah, but so let's jump into um uh quickly into the Democratic convention if anybody wants to we want to quickly talk about that. Uh, I know we're pretty exhausted by what the Republicans have done <laughs> over the last couple of days because it's been, I guess, entertaining would be the word. But I don't know, Hakeem, you have any, you have any opinions on the Democratic one or? Well, one thing for sure, I definitely like the idea that they picked Philly for the for the Democratic National Convention, primarily because I've been there a couple of times. It's a nice place. Okay, but um, but, um shout out to Philly. Yeah, but other than you know, but other than that, you know, I feel as if I wonder if overall. It will be as covered by most of the media. I mean, it will definitely get a lot of coverage, of course, because it's a major convention. But something tells me as if, you know, there are probably a lot of people, you know, probably at mainstream networks that are probably, you know, that were probably very excited because Mm -hmm. they were like, you know, they were looking forward to the Republican convention because they knew that they were going to get something out of it. And there was a lot of stuff, you know, the Melania Trump, um, you know, stealing from Michelle Obama's speech, the Ted Cruz non-endorsement, yeah, you know, crazy. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald <laughs> Trump. So crazy. <laughs> you can't about that dude. But, um, but, you know, they probably felt as if, okay, we were going to get some headlines. And now they're, you know, now they're going to Philly for the Democratic convention. And now they're probably like, oh, it's just going to be, you know, really boring. You know, yeah. Bernie Sanders is going to speak. President Obama is going to speak. Uh, Michelle Obama is going to speak. You know, everybody, you know, everybody's going to speak. It's going to feel, it's not going to feel as, dare I say, headline worthy. It's not going to be as wild. Yeah. But it will probably feel a little bit more, dare I say, conventional. Oh. He said it. He said it, folks. Conventional. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, but the. I think it's. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing. You know how, how inclusive they are with um, bringing everyone together. I. I have no issues with, as far as what Republicans and and what they were saying. I mean, there's some problems I had, but just the crowd in itself wasn't. <clears throat> wasn't diverse as I would have liked. So I'm looking forward to the Democratic one to see if it'll be a little bit more diversity. I've heard they got some um, immigrants that will be speaking as far as, I guess, un, I guess you'll consider them illegal immigrants that will be speaking from their perspective and um, their support of the Democratic convention because I think she'll need that for sure. Um, I know she just hired her um, her VP for the year, oh, for, well, for her term, I'm sorry. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to see what exactly will be all involved there. But um, I'm, I, I definitely want to see how it will be covered uh, because I don't think I'm like a king. I don't think there will be as much excitement, if that's what you want to call it. But um, this is a scary election in general because of what's going on in our country right now and the candidates that are running. I mean, you got the Democrats who have Hillary uh, I mean, people are so so. Her. Yeah, people yeah. are not getting behind her like you would expect. Yeah. And then you got Donald Trump, the guy with all the charisma, but he's he's a scary candidate because I'm not sure what. I mean, it's hard to be able to accept the man that's kind of been openly, or I don't want to say racist, but saying he's gonna build a wall to keep Mexico in Mexico. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can't openly say stuff like that, I don't think. But and it's funny because a lot of real quick, a lot of people forget that. Yeah, you're he completely just focuses on that. But there's a lot of illegal Europeans that overstayed their visas here when they 
come to America. So Correct. it's what is your real intentions here? Is it just are you just focusing on on that on or what about you got to be kind of more inclusive like everybody? We have a lot of other people who stay here who are you consider illegal immigrants that are from all over. So don't just try to focus on just Mexicans, but go ahead. Yeah. But yeah. Sure. I just I mean, I want to I want to see if this going to be as the coverage is going to be yeah. as yeah. big as it was for the Republicans because it's, it's not all that drama that's going on over there on that side on the other side but I don't know for some reason this cut this uh the, we the, love we love uh, reality drama. TV. So <laughs> this is that's kind yep. of bleeding over into our you know how we're electing our officials. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But it's I'm I'm just gonna say it's a very scary election. You know, I'm not sure what I think about it yet. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to seeing the convention this year. You know, Democratic. You know, uh, we're definitely in a digital age now. Where I saw during the Republican National Convention, uh, Hillary was actually tweeting responses to. Trump every time he said something. And, you know, who would ever thought that we would see this in these, you know, in a Republican National Convention? You know, usually people live tweet about, you know, less irrelevant stuff, but yeah, now people yeah. are going back and forth. Yeah, and I saw it's, that. It's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's definitely telling, you know, we get to see what she's all about. You know, this is a big platform for her and the VP from Virginia. And, you know, Mary coming to the Democratic Convention is pretty huge. You know, can't recall an Atlanta mayor that has done that. And, you know, it's definitely interesting to see, like, what what's really going to happen. You know, is it going to be like a back-and-forth thing, you know, with... Insults. With Hillary, yeah. you, know, repl- you know, trying to discredit Trump, mm-hmm. you know, or is it just going to be like, you know, put the take a bigger foot forward and just focus on the issues. So, so I really look forward to it. Yeah, definitely. This is going to be interesting because, you know, you have an actual, you know, kind of like politics <laughs> centered convention. But uh, another thing I wanted to say about this convention is uh, it'll be interesting to see how Hillary, like, you know, it's kind of like, don't mess this up. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're set up with the win and all you have to do is lay the ball in. And it's like, all you have to do is be Donald Trump. That's all you have to do, Hillary. <laughs> and, like, then, you know, it's like you're known as a liar. We're going to accept you anyway because Bernie <laughs> lost. And what is ha- what happens again, the email thing gets leaked yeah, out. And exactly. it's like, yeah. darn it, Hillary. Like, yeah. all you have to do is just be Donald Trump. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Same and, right thing. Like, so we're just hoping that she doesn't mess up uh, yeah, this yeah. week for Donald Trump's sake. Yeah, yeah. Big week. We'd definitely be all be tuning into that. Uh, let's quickly jump to the NBA taking the All-Star game away from Charlotte. Um, man, this was – I guess we all can't say it was really that shocking because they kind of set them – kind of set themselves up for this. Uh, the the, the HB2 uh, bill was, I guess, adjusted in some regards, but not enough for the NBA standards. And, and they took a stand against, uh, I guess, this type of uh, injustice. Um I am. I do agree. I'm actually happy that Silver <laughs> stood up for something here. Uh, I don't know if any other commissioner around all around sports world period would have done it. Um, all the money that would have been made, you know, for Charlotte is that also is disappointing. I hate that for the city of city of Charlotte because this would have been pretty big. It, it was been in the first time they've hosted in since 1991. They yeah, said 91. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So. Um, I hate that for the people who were there who are not in support of the bill. You know, like, what do they do? They, I mean, apparently what I was reading was just it was a small minority of people who actually had agreed with what was going on. So 
Um, I hate that for them, but as far as the league taking a stand against issues that's going on around in the in this country, I'm, I was actually very pleased with that. And it's kind of ironic that the All-Star game was taken away from Charlotte on accounts of HB2 because the whole issue of LGBT rights in North Carolina really began with a pro-LGBT bill that went through Charlotte, that actually went through Charlotte because Charlotte is a, you know, Charlotte is, you know, North Carolina is what politicos typically call a purple state, but Charlotte is a very liberal city. Mm -hmm. Charlotte, Mecklenburg County, very liberal. So it's kind of ironic that all of this has happened. And also bringing it somewhat (laughs) to an Atlanta perspective, I think Governor Nathan Deal sort of took notes from what was going on in North Carolina because the NFL threatened that, you know, there was a, you know, there was also a bill that was going through the Georgia legislature that was, you know, supposedly going to curb um, LGBT rights in the state of Georgia. And the NFL threatened if you don't if you don't veto this governor deal, you're not getting the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I think Governor Deal kind of took notes from what was going on in North Carolina, and he said, uh, "I'm not losing out <laughs> on that Super Bowl money. I'm vetoing this. I'm vetoing this." And a lot of companies at that. I'm sorry, David. A lot of, quickly. A lot of companies also threatened to pull a lot of their a lot of their um, um, their presence in these cities if they if the governor was was in support of this bill. So yeah, that threat too of losing money in in all aspects was big enough for him to for him to make adjustments. Go ahead. Yeah, I stayed in North Carolina this past year, and it's crazy, you know, because it was a very exciting time to hear about the All-Star game, you know, in February of next year. Because you already got CIAA weekend, and then to add All-Star weekend, it's like um, it's going to be a crazy February. You know, people are even expecting the Panthers to return to the Super Bowl next year. So that's, you know, a whole month of yeah. sports. And, you know, people are, you know, they're selling T-shirts. Are, they were selling T-shirts, you know, 2017 All-Star shirts. And, you know, even this past year at the All-Star game in Toronto, you you got Michael Jordan, you know. T- you know, they're announcing the 2017 All-Star game. It's, it's a, you know, national coverage for Charlotte. You know, Charlotte's finally getting the face, you know, after being a joke of being about the Bobcats. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, it's really sad, you know, because, you know, it's it's crazy, you know, because, you know, you talk about the bathrooms, the Target, you know, because I actually stayed by a Target up there. You know, they have the, you know, gender bathrooms where you can, you know, use anyone. And and now, you know, they, you know, canceled Cirque du Soleil in North Carolina. And it's it's crazy. And, you know, it's you know, they were just getting the big, the big jumbotron in Charlotte. <laughs> it's just like, wow. This is about to be big. Yeah, this is about to be big. And, and you know, now we, they got to hope to 2019 that they might get this All-Star game. I heard that. It's, it's sad, and but, you know, at the same time, it just makes you question, you know, why take the All-Star game out of Charlotte when you got games in China, you know. True, true. And, you know, Hopefully NBA looks into that, you know, besides, you know, looking at a big paycheck when they play their big games in China. Um, I definitely applaud the uh, Adam Silver for, you know, taking a stand. Uh, he gave Charlotte a chance to kind of do it themselves, I guess, or like Atlanta did with the um, their bill they had last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely applaud him for that. Um, I was not aware of all the uh, yeah. the – the stuff that went along with what happened, so I wasn't, you know, sure what was happening. Yeah. Thank you for guys for filling me in on that, but yeah, that's that's yeah, they had that's really it. He had no choice, really, honestly. It was, yeah. Uh, 
yeah, it's definitely like a big move, a uh, big statement by Adam Silver. Feel sorry for the citizens of Charlotte, just basketball fans, NBA fans that can't go to the all-star game in their own city because some politics by the government for something that, you know, like Eric said earlier, they might not even have ag- agreed with. And, you know, it's like Charlotte, like North Carolina just always gets a tough break. Like they're almost always there to like <laughs> Charlotte's almost a major city and then something always happens. happens. Yes. Yeah, so. No, nah, this definitely um, – I was – like we were all saying, I, I think we all can agree that it was, in, in all aspects, it was the right decision to make um, just to stand against something. Uh, I'm proud of the NBA for that. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that other uh, leagues, other sports in, in, in that regard would take this into account and stand up for something bigger than just money because a lot of times they sacrifice that for, for um, you know, to – to make as much as they can. I understand they're money hungry. I understand that's how the business is ran, but sometimes it's bigger than that. Um, and I, I know I saw the MJ <laughs> crying face on Michael as soon as it, I didn't even know what happened when I first saw it. I just saw MJ crying face on Michael's face. And I was like, well, what happened? And then everybody was like, oh, they took it away from, from North Carolina. So, um, yeah, I think, I, I, I wish that, that it would have been, you know, a little bit more talked about as far as educating everyone on what exactly was going on because I felt like they tried to hide it for a good minute as far as as far as like how important this really was or how significant it was because for a whole year we knew about it but they they kind of said it like ah oh, you know maybe by the time it actually gets here then it'll be okay you know everything will be fine but I think Michael said it a while ago that he was like this you know this really does matter like this is a big deal here we have to. He told, I think, I don't know what congressman or whatever he made a statement to that uh, if they don't make these changes, then they, he was going to pull the team or was it anything like? That? I don't know if I read I it wrong. Was, that was it was okay. okay maybe I, I might mis, misread it, but I know he made he said something that if if this wasn't uh, uh, changed or anything like that, he was going to make a really big move here. Um, go ahead, Rashad. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the NFL, like like you said, uh, with the NBA, uh, it's bigger than money, and I think the NFL can take notes from that, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with this domestic violence situation, time after time after time. Like, there's obviously a problem and an issue with, you know, just the nature of football. It's tough for someone to go into, like, intense workouts and intense practices and then just go into the regular world. It's like being thrown into war, almost. And then just being sent back to America yeah. and just, all right, go back to everyday life. So when you see time after time after time, even though these are only allegations, which are probably like untrue with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, there's a bunch of untold stories and a bunch of things put under the rugs of, of football players just abusing women. And it's. Yeah, it's been. No, it's been and, and people yeah. like, you know, other than Ray Rice, which was caught on camera, if it's not ca- caught on camera, then, you know, you're not going to get a big, you know, uh, what do you call it? Punishment Reaction. for it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you won't even get the same. Because money rules everything. And talent. If Greg, Greg Hardy <laughs> keeps getting chances because he's so good. How? Like, How he, does that happen? He's good. That's, that's. I mean, as far as, you know. Jerry Jones is, and all of them that desperate? I really don't. I really don't. I really think he should have been banned for life. <laughs> but he's such a nah, for real. You can't keep him out of the league. So, yeah. I, mean, I Greg, mean, Brandon Marshall talked about that. I, I love hearing him discuss this issue um, about domestic violence going on because he was a part of it at one point. We all saw him go through it, and he's been so upfront, honest, uh, and, and, and admitting his wrongs. 
and I think a lot of athletes first should do that. I feel like with Hardy, that what angered me the most was him trying to disguise it with, you know, like dude was trying to really cover it up. I, and he is yet to say he was wrong. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I never did it. Shoot, that's like OJ still saying he ain't do it. So it's like I guess Hardy's like, yo, I ain't got to admit nothing. But um, no, that's definitely an issue. It absolutely is. And the thing that makes it an even bigger issue is sometimes not only not only the act of domestic violence, but the reaction from the NFL. The fact that it just seems as though that certain times, I mean, I remember after the Ray Rice thing, they were actually still selling Ray Rice, like, mm-hmm. like uh-huh. women's shirts. You know, they were still selling Ray Rice women's shirts. So yeah, yeah. the fact that that was, you know, that was going on and it seems as though that they were still trying to capitalize off of his, you know, off of his name, you know, especially trying to appeal to women, it was, was stunning to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, man, this week... Uh, Another good, good little little discussion we had here with a, a lot of different topics. Um, the A League man will be back again next week. Everybody, quickly just say your your um, your Twitter accounts or anything like that so people can reach you out or your websites. Um, Twitter dot com Twitter dot com at Akeem Balaam. Also on Instagram at Akeem Balaam. Also Akeem dot com and Facebook dot com slash Balaam Samuel Bobby Akeem. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric, your boy here at E your boy five. Um, that's my Twitter uh, website. Since Rashad reminded me, I, you know, now I got to say mine. You know, www.ericyboy.com. Y'all can get me at as well. Um, but yeah, that's me. Go ahead. Yeah, David Norwood. My Twitter is dnorwood90. RashadMilligan.com. Uh, Jeff3006. MySpace.com backslash Milligan. Uh, Jeremy Johnson uh, Clark underscores Kent 75 And we out here It's the A-League Peace